Hey, and welcome back to the Local 636 Podcast. I'm your host, Ed Akers. Today, I'm joined by Connor Van Buskirk of Upshot Coffee. Connor and I met when he put his second Upshot Coffee location in downtown St. Charles, very close to my house. I love Connor's story, and I really love how one small passion of his turned into a successful business with now two locations. It's really amazing how sometimes just starting something will lead to bigger things. There's a lesson there, maybe some more on that later too. Before we get to Connor, I want you to right now go to local.636 on your Instagram. Open up Instagram, go to local.636, give us a follow. Done with that? If not, pause it, I'll wait. Whenever you're done with that, whatever device you're listening to, hit that subscribe button, the follow button, the download button, just go nuts and hit all the buttons on there. Leave us a review. Five stars are really preferable if you're going to do that. Uh, those things just really help me continue to grow this and make this bigger and uh, possibly make it into some cool things. So thank you so much. And here's Connor Van Buskirk. Is that why, because uh, VBs used to have alcohol? Alcohol. Yeah. But uh, that was after you were married. Yep. No, VBs used to have alcohol. And I will say that with VBs, we just couldn't do two concepts. Like it, ultimately at the end of the day, it was too hard to have the coffee bleed into the alcohol side because mm -hmm. what would end up happening is, and these are the things we didn't think about ahead of time, but on Fridays and Saturday nights when it was perfect weather outside and we needed to be doing $200 a seat every hour around the fire pits, those fire pits would be taken out by people sipping lattes for three hours. Gotcha. You know, so it ended up just not, they needed to be separate concepts. So we often toy with the idea of bringing VB chocolate bar back in a very focused cocktail centric, dessert bar centric way, the way that it was without the coffee side. Okay. Um, and the reason we chose the coffee over the alcohol side is because I don't drink. So I'm not that okay. passionate about alcohol. Yeah. Um, I love coffee and I'm very passionate about coffee and I love the culture around coffee. I loved the employees that I got to be around. I loved the vendors, the regulars. I loved everything about it. So to me, it was like when I had to choose one, it really wasn't much of a decision because yeah. one I loved and the other one was really hard and, you know, didn't really fit my lifestyle as well. And then you have people like me who don't really drink coffee going, where, why don't you serve alcohol anymore? <laughs> I had this drink. It was awesome. But, uh, I'm probably in the minority there, obviously. No, I mean, there's a lot of people that, uh, that really miss VBs. I would say that the, the bar side was probably the busier side by a small, by a small percentage, even when we switched it over. And in the very beginning, the bar side was probably 97% of it. So, I wow. mean, a lot of people love them being together. Yeah. It was a cool concept. Yeah. Um, how did you, how'd you start? Like what, where did the coffee thing, has that always been a passion for you? Well, me and my wife owned Chocolate 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 Company. We had a couple franchises that we bought together when we first got married at like 25. Her mom had worked for Chocolate Chocolate. It's a franchise that we bought. So the, okay. the main company is located on the hill. They've got... 30,000 square feet of manufacturing down there. And, you know, back in 2003, 2004, he was selling franchises and opening up franchises in St. Louis to help expand the brand. And so her mom said, hey, if you guys want to do that, if you want to be in small business, I'll mm -hmm. work for free and I'll, you know, we'll get you set oh, up wow. and get you started. So I said, all right, well, I want to own a business. I don't know anything about chocolate. I didn't okay. even really eat chocolate, but I always wanted to own a business. And that was the only opportunity that I had. So I took it and uh, we ended up, opening up four of those and owning them for 18 years. We just sold, uh, we just sold them in February to a new owner. And so they're operating as is, and he's doing a great job, but we, we did that for 18 years. Wow. And, uh, in that process, I actually decided that 
I love the creation side of creating new chocolates. I found that I had a desire to, to, to engage with that. So with a lot of my downtime during our slow period, since it was a very seasonal business, I just sat in the back and I bought a book on how to make truffles and caramels. Cause I mean, we didn't make that stuff that right. all came from the factory. We, we hand dipped strawberries and we made barks and clusters, basically anything where we could temper chocolate and blend it and finish it. But wow. we weren't making truffles and caramels and all of that stuff that all came in fully done. So I just started teaching myself how to make truffles and caramels. And, uh, I thought it would be good for me selling stuff just to understand how everything worked. Okay. Um, and, through that process, I figured out that I really loved making things and I loved coming up with new ideas. So was it was the making things specific to food or do you generally like making other things? Do you work with your hands? Are you are you good at that kind of stuff? Uh, I tend to get obsessed with one thing and then I'll do that quite a bit. Okay. And those have been food related, I think, just because I've chosen to be in the food space. And so that's the most convenient. OK. Because <laughs> um, it started out with chocolate and, and then it's evolved into where now I'm learning to roast on the coffee side and I'm pretty involved in the coffee side. And I, you know, so I'm getting obsessed with that the same way I got obsessed with chocolate. And who knows what it'll be after that. But we <laughs> I just started teaching myself how to make everything in the back of the kitchen to pass time. And I figured out that I was really passionate about that. And so I started creating my own truffles and my own caramels and, you know, I'm sure they were God awful for quite a while. But then we started making some that we knew were pretty good and we yeah. started taking them out and do tasting events and we started giving them to friends and family. And, you know, it was clear that we had something that was worth selling. And so we really started VB chocolate bar just to sell my truffles and caramels. We added coffee and alcohol because I wanted a okay. everyday experience that you would come in to my shop and you would buy stuff. I didn't want it to be seasonal like chocolate, chocolate, chocolate was. But that so, was the anchor for the yeah. store. The entire point of VB Chocolate Bar was really to sell my 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 chocolates. Okay, and uh, it, it, we we figured people would want to drink wine with chocolate, and that I could make more money off wine, right. so I wouldn't be just totally tied to holidays. You know, because that's a tough thing in a seasonal business. Is if it snows three days before Valentine's Day, and you should do half your business in those three days for the entire year, and they don't plow the streets in time, and you do 20% of what you should do based on the weather and what's going on in the world. Yeah. There is no making that up. And so I wanted to protect against that. And so we added coffee cause that's something you get every day. We added the bar cause that's something people tend to get every day or at least on the weekends. Right. And that evolved all around just selling the chocolate. And then of course, as we evolved, we realized, you know, the chocolate was a smaller piece of the business than the alcohol and the coffee. So you know, eventually we realized that was actually a smaller part of the entire thing. And and then I became more and more interested in in uh, coffee as we went along. Did the chocolates and that get phased out altogether or it phased out when we did the bar? Like when okay. I when when we went away from the when the, from the chocolate bar, part of that was just simplifying everything that we did and kind of just dedicating ourselves to coffee and starting yeah. there and then figuring out where we needed to go from there. So, you know, at that point. I was pretty burned out on making everything from scratch. Well, that's what I was going to ask you. Were you, uh, you obviously you're passionate about that chocolate. That's kind of what started it all. It gets you to open the location. Was it hard to say goodbye to it? Or are you just so focused on this next thing? We've got to kick ass at making coffee. You know, by the time I give something up, I'm pretty much completely over it. Okay. Uh, I'm not really a guy that quits on something early on. So by the time it was, you know, I was pretty burned out. And also what I discovered and, you know, it seems fairly obvious, but I'm not a bright guy. So sometimes I have to figure things out the hard way. Okay. 
you know, I was passionate about creating new chocolates and I was passionate about these high-end truffles we were doing. Um, and then when we got in there, we realized that that was, you know, 1% of your sales. And so really you just cut marshmallow for the drinking chocolate all day and you cut caramels for the sea salt caramels. And, right. You know, like in most businesses, there's, you know, five items that sell everything. And those are your simple items. Right. It's not necessarily the goat cheese and pear truffle that you just created or some barrel aged whiskey truffle you just created. People are always really interested in those and they'll buy one of those, maybe two of those. Yeah but they buy 24 packs of caramels and marshmallows and all these other things. So that's part of it is I kind of was able to move on from the passion because really where I was spending the majority of my time was not on the part of chocolate making that I was passionate about. It was very much just a manufacturing job at that point. Okay. I like that. That's crazy. So how, tell me about you live in St. Charles County. We'll say that. Is that why uh, the original VBs, which is now Upshot, is that why it went there? Is it because it was close to where you lived? Is, was there something specific about um, downtown Cottleville uh, versus another area? It was funny. There was a lot of things that led us to be in Cottleville. And it at, at the time, me and my wife were living in Maplewood, and we loved Maplewood. And we were also oh, okay. looking in downtown Maplewood to open up the original VB Chocolate Bar. And then we still had all of our businesses out here, and all of our friends were out here. We had this... At that time, we had a very, very tight group of friends that like all of our kids had been born together. Okay. We did barbecues together every weekend. Like, you know, it was just like our entire life was out here. And then we lived in Maplewood. So when we were thinking about doing this, we thought, well, kind of makes sense that if our entire life is out there and that's where our friends and families and the people we're invested in are, that it makes sense that our kids go to those public schools so we can support that public school. And that's where our kids go. And that's who we're living life with. Yeah. Um, it makes sense that, we're that much closer to all of our friends and family, you know, that they can come to our business that, you know, we're working close to our home and not driving half an hour, you know, cause for a while there, we had lived in one community and then made our money in another community. And it seemed to me like it was important to me right then and there that if we were going to open this new business, that was going to be completely ours. It wasn't a franchise. It wasn't anything else. I felt very important to me that we live in the community that we were expecting to help us launch our dream. Makes right? sense. And so yeah, we, you can't serve two masters anyway, right? Yeah. So we we decided, you know, we were going to go to Cottleville instead of Maplewood. And we decided we were going to move back out here. So we sold our home in Maplewood. We moved right out, right by Cottleville, right by our store. And uh, at that time, we were also with this group of people planning a church. Okay. So, you know, it just made sense that our entire life transitioned back out here. So that's when we found, you know, the building in Cottleville. I was always kind of in love with Cottleville anyway. And I think like most people, I found it because we went to the St. Patrick's Day Parade and yep. you're just like, you know, you, you don't really know anything about the place. Even me having a business on Mid River's Mall Drive. Like yeah. I didn't really know about it other than Menino's was there. Right. Right. And then you go down there and you see the amount of people and the amount of businesses and there's all this cool stuff going on and there's clearly a lot of growth happening. Yeah. And so it became very clear to me that if there was a community that felt like Maplewood to me out here, um, that was on that side of St. Charles and not St. Charles city or Wentzville. But as far as being in that six, three, three Oh four area that we were going to be living in. Yeah. Cottleville was like the small town. Yeah. Um, be loyal to your local businesses. Like it felt like the spot we should plan our, plan our business and invest in a community. And it felt like that was going to fit that what we were trying to do the best. Yep. I, you, uh, hit the nail on the head. The first time I was there wasn't dude. We were doing the 5k for the St. Patrick's day parade. And yeah, it's just a, 
it's hard to figure out. I think more people now do know about it because yeah. of businesses like you and, uh, you know, all the other great businesses in, in Cottleville. But um, we just had never been out there. And we live close to Main Street St. Charles, which is kind of our own thing. And that makes it hard to leave that side, too. But you're right. Once you go there, you see just how charming it is. And uh, it's just a cool area. It feels feels cool to be there. Um, so other than just like the feeling, right? Was there any demographic research or anything like that for, for putting the location there? Um, no, because had we looked at that, we would have known it was the wrong <laughs> spots but a coffee shop. So. <laughs> Just went with your gut. That's incredible. you know, everything you read about in coffee, like when you look to put it, you want it on a busy intersection with, a, you know, high density of apartments and universities right. and office buildings. And you want to have highway access right there and be on a busy corner. And Cottleville is like the most inconvenient place to get. Um, you know, it's tiny. The traffic's bad. Yeah. Like there's not a single office building. There's not a high sure. rise apartment anywhere to be seen. Not a one. There's a small community college, you know, down the road that we get some business from, but it's mm -hmm. not like, you know, it's not UMass or you yeah. know, Mizzou that's feeding me full of people that live in dorms coming over, surviving on my food and coffee. Correct. So, uh, you know, with the coffee side, I don't think we would have survived had we not had the bar. So I think that, you know, when we talk about the way things happen and I, I'm a big believer in things happening for a reason, I think the reason we opened BB Chocolate Bar and, you know, it was coffee and alcohol is I think God probably decided that uh, if we didn't sell booze there, we were not going to make it. Interesting. Because the first couple of years, like, you know, at that time we were nine years ago doing pour over coffees in the suburbs of St. Louis. And that right. was not a big thing out here. So the first couple of years was really just trying to explain to people what a pour over was and, you know, why it was five dollars and like, you know, education, right? It's I'm it's, kidding. I'm <laughs> I'm not far from kidding, but I am kidding on that one. <laughs> but it was really just education. So like our coffee side was super, super slow. Like, I mean, I remember days where we would have 17 to 25 transactions on the coffee side, you know, huh. a, and a coffee shop that's really humming and making money should have like 300 transactions a day. So what is it about Cottleville then? What, why it's not, it's not easy to get to. There's not a ton of density there. What well, is it? Why was it successful? Because one, we sold alcohol and we, they loved chocolate martinis in Cottleville and they loved flatbreads and we did that and we did them really well. And they packed me out and they paid my bills. Like, you know, without the bar side, it would have never worked, but because the bar side was just the right, perfect fit for what they were looking for at that time. And I think there's still a massive need for it. Yeah. So, I mean, I think we kind of pulled something out of the market that was needed there. And I think at some point we'll probably need to put that back. But I think the bar side was just so so busy so early on it covered up all the issues with coffee and allowed coffee to mature into what it was and by the time we made the decision to move away from the bar coffee and bar were pretty much dead on pretty okay. much dead even um so it just took a long time to build that up because really we survive on locals and, and regulars coming by because we don't have a lot of people walk into their office you know there's not a lot of foot traffic in Cottleville. yeah um so we really need people to come in and we've figured out that we have to have a higher ticket than the average coffee shop because on, you know, on our busy days, we're not going to have 300 transactions, but our average ticket is probably double gotcha. yours. Yeah. So we've just figured out how we operate within that. And what we love about Cottleville is all the mistakes we made. They're extremely loyal. It reminds me of this area over here, St. Charles City. Yeah. And previously when we were in Maplewood, the things I always loved about those communities is they supported their local businesses. Yeah. Right. And so that's great because as long as you're trying really hard, 
it seems like they're very forgiving. Yes. Right. So we were allowed to throw a lot of crap against the wall, have bad ideas, have things that miss the mark, have bad service, whatever, experiment new things, open one concept, turn it into a new concept. Yeah. You know, we've messed with them all over, but we've always (laughs) been from the purest place trying to improve exactly what it is that we do and what this thing will be for the next 20 years. And they've been extremely forgiving through that process of just being like, oh, this is what you're into this, you know, yeah. this next six months. Uh, now you're Upshot Coffee and uh, and now you're beating, you're selling Beats and Bones Juice and we're along with this journey and we're here for it. That's awesome. And the food got better. The coffee got better. The juice got better. As long as you're showing growth, I think these small communities, people are very loyal and you're allowed to make mistakes without being held fully accountable the way you might be, you know, somewhere else with higher expectations and less loyalty. Yeah. It's interesting. I think I've, I've heard that answer a lot. And I think that myself too, that, and even those other neighborhoods like Maplewood, um, Cottleville, St. Charles, but those, those neighborhoods, you know, it, it does seem like they're loyal. And I think that's just something, I don't know, pride in your community, right? And wanting to see your community be the best place and wanting to have cool things. I, I think the people that live in communities like that expect to have you know, business and residential mixed in, and they want to have a coffee shop they can walk to, and they want to have a place they can do yoga, right? Uh, is that what it is, you think? Or what makes someone loyal like that? I think it's that the people that live in these communities love their community so much, they want whatever's in it to be great. Yeah. And they understand that if they support that, and this is assuming that it's a, an, at least a decent business worth supporting. That's not saying that they're just going to throw you know money at someone that just isn't even trying and doesn't care. But I think they love their community so much and they understand that the only way it's going to be great is if they invest in it. Yeah. If that investing is buying coffee from you know us or another shop around here or getting your sandwich from the deli down the street versus somewhere else, right. I think these communities consciously make that decision and it's not even something where it's painful for them because they love their community so much. It actually makes them feel better buying yeah. coffee from a local person. Yeah. And there's just, there's, there's something special about those communities that kind of create that vibe and there's that expectation. And I don't know how it gets started because we lived in Maplewood when it all started. Yeah. And I don't really, re- I don't even really recall how that started, but it was all sudden like Maplewood went from this place that no one wanted to be mm-hmm. ever. Like when I first lived there, I told people I lived in Richmond Heights. I wouldn't even claim I lived there because it was embarrassing. And yeah. at that age, I was self-conscious enough to care. Yeah. Now I wouldn't care. And I just tell you I live where I live. But we were there when it made that transition. And all of a sudden, now everyone wanted to be in Maplewood. Yeah. Right. And when that transition was made, it was very much people getting behind Manchester and mm-hmm. that downtown business district and refusing to go other places and talking about it and Instagramming and Facebooking. That's one thing that people don't really understand is like when you go into Upshot or when you go into Beats and Bones or when you go into Ed Acres Farmers Insurance Agency and you're Instagramming and you're tagging it and your 700 friends see that, like those things are huge. And in small communities, we tend to have people that really understand that. So you even have these guerrilla marketers that help you out for no other reason than you're their coffee shop and they live there and they want to see you be successful. Yeah. So it's even small things like that. You can't really count that. You they also want to look cool on the gram, right? You got upshot right. in a logo. It's a, it's a trendy yeah. thing. It's a cool name. It's a cool place to be. Right. I mean, that's, but that all, that all feeds off itself. I mean, that all works together. Yep. Hey, tell me about the name. To, uh, obviously you changed it from VBs to upshot. I'm sure you've told this. I'm sure it's out there. If someone wants to know, but I don't know what, what, what is upshot? Uh, it was a it was a name that was thought up, and it was basically a definition of the end result of what ends up in your cup. 
We want to have the best result of the end result of what ends up in your cup, which is the upshot of that drink. Okay. So you coined the term? Yeah. Okay. I like it. Yeah. We had, uh, at the time, it was me, Matt Piva, who was my uh, coffee manager, and Jared Dursey, and we were working on, okay, what is this name going to be, and what is it going to mean? And I believe, I believe Matt Piva came up with the name. He may have even come up with a definition. So Okay, so that was my next question. Was, was that term in use while it was VBs? Never. Okay. I think that was something completely created, and Matt Pivo helped a lot with that, so it may have all been him. I'm, I'm trying to remember. But that 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 name and that logo and that end result was essentially something we decided that the importance of coffee we were going to move forward with. Okay. It's a it's a cool name. It's catchy. It works on you know different levels. It's yeah. cool. I dig it. Uh, not that you need my approval. It's obviously working. Uh, tell me about, uh, so one of the, one of the questions I always want to ask people on this podcast is what do you love about St. Charles? I think you answered it. I mean, you talked about community and you talked about loyalty and the people and the support. Um, is there anything else you want to add to what do you love about St. Charles? Um, I would say from my experience personally, and we've been out here again for like the last nine years. And what I've loved about it is Everywhere I live and I have a business, I have loyal people all around me that invest in me and invest in my family, um, their school system. We loved Maplewood, Richmond Heights. They had an early childhood development that was incredible for our kids. We were nervous to, to change school systems yeah. because we loved Maplewood so much. Yeah. And when we went out here, we plugged right into Francis Owl and the school system was incredible. So awesome. if you want great schools, if you want reasonably priced housing and, you know, Check, you want to check. have a place to raise a family. And that's ultimately what we came out here to do is we were trying to raise a family yeah. and that was important to us. This is an incredible place to be. And you'll be surrounded by other people that hopefully, you know, I think out here you maybe have to try a little bit harder to get connected with people. And I would say that's one of the biggest challenges that I hear a lot of people talk about is yeah. just how to, if you're not from here, like I'm a transplant right. and my wife is from North County. So she's not really a transplant because well, everyone from North County now lives in St. Charles, which is obviously why I'm here anyway. Me. As yeah. Well. Yeah. Yeah. Me included. Everyone. Yeah. So, you know, the, the hardest thing I would say that I hear people say all the time is just, you know, trying to get connected if you're not from around here. Mm -hmm. um, we got That's connected really easily because we'd made friends before we came out here. But I would say in that instance, if you're having trouble getting connected, you know, there's awesome places that you can go talk to people and get to know people immediately. Yeah. You know, whether it's going yeah. down to climb so well with Dave and going there on one of their open house nights and just meeting the people that are climbing and talking to his staff and saying, how do I get connected with yeah. this age group in St. Charles that's into outdoors stuff? Yeah. And Climb So Ill is a great spot to do that. Going to Upshot, ask people, ask my baristas where they're going for concerts or what they're doing. Right. You know, there's cool. places to get engaged and get yeah. in here quick. Yeah. Love it. Let's, um, let's flip that. It's not really flip the question, but what does St. Charles need? That's another big kind of question I'm asking. And I want to... Not, I don't think I need to tell you to think outside the box, but it doesn't have to be like, oh, they need the, a, a specific thing or what what needs to happen. Um, um, you know, I would say that probably the stereotype of St. Charles is they're not super open-minded. Um, there's sometimes one way of doing things and thinking out here if, if you want to fit in. And I would say mm -hmm. that if there would be one thing that I would love to see St. Charles improve on, it would be just being a little bit more open-minded and and, you know, and that's a stereotype. So it's not saying right. that everyone that lives in St. Charles, because me and you live in St. Charles, and I would say we're very open-minded and we're yeah. not closed-minded whatsoever. Right. 
But I would say the overarching thing that hangs over us sometimes is that there's kind of one way of doing things, one one way of thinking. And so the more that we can see kind of art influence what we do here, seeing different ideas take hold, seeing new energy come in and just allowing that to, you know, and I think we have an interesting experiment right now with Frenchtown. Like, I think there's a huge opportunity in Frenchtown to kind of bring in some new and different life to that area and maybe have this little hub for artists that can go there and kind of create something special and new and have this home where they're allowed to be artists. Yeah. Right. So I think we even have these, uh, these opportunities opening up right now to really invest in that. And I would love to see us invest in that. I'd love to see, you know, the side of my building, I'd love to be like a mural painted across the side of it. I'd love to see art on every corner. I'd love to see people playing music on Friday night down here. I'd love to see a lot of different art coming in and, and changing things up a little bit and, and, you know, just spicing it up a bit. Do you think there's a relation between what you love about St. Charles is the loyalty and the, you know, you, you talked about all the things obviously, and, um, being here, you know, 15 years and still being quote unquote, the new guy is kind of the same thing that's preventing it from having that. Sure. Sure. I think a I lot of know. people that stay in St. Charles are generally from St. Charles. Yeah. And so I think it's a very static community, which yeah. leads to loyalty. Um, and it oftentimes leads to the same May train of thought. Some... And I think that's going to be his challenge is that, and I think they're opening up and inviting more people in. And there's a lot of really cool things happening down here. And, and I hope we have an influx of new things going on down yeah. here. And I hope we're welcoming to that and it becomes part of our fabric. Yeah. When you're already, you're, uh, uh, referring a lot to here and you are here, you do have a presence here, um, very close to the recording studio. Um, what got you here? Tell me about the process of you're in Cottleville, you're established, you're kicking ass from all accounts. Um, you know, let's go to downtown St. Charles. So we always were fascinated with the idea of having a coffee shop around Lindenwood just because we're St. Charles sure. people. And that's our one like real university, right? Right. Other than community colleges and smaller schools, that's the one that actually has people living on campus and, you know, it's got density. Right. right. So we were always kind of in love with this idea of having something over this direction. Um, we also were fans of being somewhere close to the Katy Trail to where, you know, we're not that far if a biker wants to ride off and come get a coffee and continue his ride. So we loved how we had access to the Katy Trail down here. We loved the access to Lindawood and the students and, and the international students and everything going on down there. We loved the fact that St. Charles High was right across from us. Yeah. Um, government offices and density and, and apartments and housing. It was kind of although not full on Clayton where we're opening beats and bones with high rises and crazy density. It was kind of the cross between Cottleville and Clayton where it's, we've got much more density over here than we do in Cottleville. Right. And we've got our universities, we've got our highway access, we've got all these cool things happening all around us. And I thought that specifically this side of St. Charles city didn't really have something like Upshot that was servicing it. I felt like Main Street was probably being served and and Frenchtown was being served and, you know, these other areas were being served. So I felt like if we were going to come into an area and kind of do it our way and, and, and make ourselves ingrained in a neighborhood, I mean, the coffee shop is literally in the middle of a neighborhood. It is surrounded by homes. So we couldn't get more in a neighborhood and that's got its challenges and it's got its positives, but that was exactly what we wanted. We want to be central to a neighborhood. We want a college. We want highway access. We want government offices. We want density. We want all these things. And this area had it. And then on top of it, it was a place that felt most to Maplewood to me than anywhere else in St. Charles. More so than like Cottleville or 
Cottonville doesn't really feel like Maplewood to me just because it feels to me more like a Brentwood, right? Okay. To me, St. Charles City I, no, feels, I don't know the difference between the, I mean, I mean, I know they're different places, but. Maplewood has kind of like, it's local, but it's got like a hippie vibe and it's okay. kind of, it's kind of grungy and it's not totally perfect and clean. Okay. You know, it's, it's. Is it's, Tower Grove Maplewood? Tower Grove is even probably a, a better form of Maplewood. Okay. Or, or a different, like more extreme form of Maplewood. But St. Charles City to me is like here, like Cottleville doesn't have a lot of young families. It's more of your Whitmore crowd. It's more of your, right. you know, it's a, they've pretty much already made it, to, you know, by the time they're there. Whereas right. St. Charles City, I feel like you get a lot of young families that are able to buy a three bedroom ranch down here and start their life. Yeah. And so that feels more to me like Maplewood. You know, the people gotcha. that lived in Maplewood were, you know, like I bought my first house there for, I think, 120000 It was a three-bedroom. Right. Right. You know, I'm starting my family. It was easy. It was simple. That house in Clayton or Maplewood or somewhere that was high rent like Cottleville would have been twice that. Sure. So you attract a certain young crowd that is successful and moving forward and starting a family and all these things. But you also make it to where they don't have to already be making $200,000 a year to, to break even. Right. That makes sense. So in that essence, it felt like Maplewood because I felt like we had a lot of like this core of young families over here. We had this core of people opening locally owned businesses. We had this core of people that really cared about that. Right. And to me, that felt a lot like Maplewood. Yeah. I love it, man. Love that you're in the area. Let's um, I want to hit you with some rapid fire. Uh, we're going to call these St. Charles superlatives. Let's do it. So I want the best of. Oh, God. I don't know if I can answer any of these, honestly. <laughs> You got so many, yeah, that's, it's hard, right? Just because you have like connections with, with other businesses and stuff. Oh, or, yeah. yeah. You got ties to everyone. So you always got to be very careful on these things. Best of anything is it's challenging. Yeah. Well, I don't know how official this podcast is. There might only be four people <laughs> listening. I don't know. I'm not sure how much it matters. Um, all right. Yeah. A lot of these are food related. So I, th- we may, we may have some trouble. We can edit anything. Okay. All right. Let's got do anything it. out. Best burger. I'm a vegan. Oh Yeah. So you do like the, what is it? The BK? What is that one called? Do you do that? You know, they've got those impossible burgers now that just taste like, you know, real hamburger, but yeah. Do they? Not really. So I mean, I'd rather just have like a black bean burger, quite honestly. (laughs) All right. This can be, wait, this can be plant, man. This, you're going to mess me up. You're throwing off my whole vibe. I'm going to think of the best plant-based burger in St. Charles anyway, because a lot of people are actually selling them now. I couldn't tell you one. And I've place. had a couple places that surprised me with like a really good plant-based burger coming out that I expected to just be some griddled, like, you know, morning star patty from Deerberg's. Right. And then it comes out and it's like this quinoa encrusted, like okay. sweet potato. And you're like, where did this come from? Okay. Yeah. Do some research. Get back to us in part two. Um, best pizza. You got like cauliflower Ooh. crust, right? In St. Charles. That does, or, is there a place that does that? Favorite pizza. Yeah. Well, I was hoping to keep it in St. Charles, but if there's not a place that offers that, I don't even know. I haven't been there, but based on everything I've read and seen and heard, I would say probably Noto's would be. I love fire. Okay. I, I love fire, uh, fire cooked pizza, and they're the one that I can think of around here doing it in a style that I really love. So I would say probably my vote would have to go to them based on what I've heard, although I have okay. not actually gotten in there yet. But they have a plant based crust. No. But oh. I don't, I mean, there's no meat and crust. I eat gluten. Oh, okay. Yeah. Let's see. I'd, it's flour. As flour, a person who can eat anything, yeast. I forget about <laughs> what's, what's what and what's not what. Um, it just never concerns me. <laughs> um, 
let's see. I'm looking at what I can. Okay, here. Best beer selection. Best beer selection. Not your favorite bar. Saying I don't drink. Oh, yeah. Man. I'm not. I'm just not like a well, guy's the guy. The podcast I don't is over. Uh, <laughs> thanks for coming. No, that's. I forget that, man. Favorite place to, to trail run, Clark Trail. That would okay. be like, there's a favorite. Favorite place to trail run, Clark Trail. Favorite place to just hike with my wife when I'm not in a rush trying to beat a PR would be Madsen Hill. Okay. Not in Defiance. Okay. It's incredible, especially if you do the longer trail that's like nine miles. Um, favorite Thai food would be Sunisa's. I love Sunisa's right on Mid Rivers Mall Drive, right, right by my shop. Um, my kids' favorite place to go that we end up a lot is Freddy's. That's right in Cottleville. They they love going to Freddy's because they've got those steak burgers. They come out quick. They're good. It's like steak and shake, but it's quick. Um, favorite coffee. I'm typing as you go. I'm taking notes here. This is this is like one of the first podcasts. Maybe I should have stuff that appeals to, yeah, everything I'm on here doesn't really apply to you. So this is good. Best kid's place. Best trail. Yeah. Best coffee's on here. You can answer that one. Upshot coffee. Okay. <laughs> See, I'm a little not, bit biased, yeah. but I, I do believe I, I have the best coffee um best atmosphere best date atmosphere where you where are you taking what's your wife's name are you okay stacy where are you and stacy going out the kids are you know taking care of or whatever it's not an anniversary but it's a it's a nice night out stone soup cottage Mm. yeah okay yeah to me that's like an that's like a fancy that's like a that's just a regular night out no that would not be a regular night out but we don't oftentimes have date nights so like we do that about once a year anyway (laughs) okay so yeah it is on an anniversary every time you go out to dinner i'm trying to think we do have like little spots that if we're just hanging out but honestly like me and stacy love just going and getting takeout and going home and watching a movie like we're not really people that get all dolled up and get fancy and go eat out we love like our friday night we'll go to soul taco and grab soul taco Okay. We'll, we'll go grab Sunisa's need at home and watch a movie. Like we're, we're really boring. It's yeah, it's, it's okay. How I old think are your kids? Being, uh, 14 and 16. Okay. And I think the other thing is being in the restaurant business. Like there's a side of me that I don't always want to be in a restaurant when I'm off. Okay. I like being in yeah. them and observing, but it's time and place. There are times where like when I get out of upshot and that's why we do takeout, I still want to eat really good food that someone else made. Yeah. But sometimes I just want to eat that on my couch and not worry about whether the, the glass is dirty, okay. how quick my food is coming out. Because like I, I've gotten to the point Are now where I'm in your restaurant, yeah. I'm worrying or impressed based on what I'm seeing, which can either be really fun or really bad. Are you working too? Are you like trying to calculate like the sales? And I'm like, always trying to learn. Okay. I mean, that's one thing is, yeah. you know, if you, the day you quit trying to learn, you probably should get out of business. If you're not curious about the way things work anymore, you're probably, you know, not in a good good spot anymore yeah so does that does does not being there takes that away though right i mean is that oh yeah Which is, is that a fine thing that sometimes i need that peace of mind i don't need what I'm to saying, think yeah. about profit margins anymore today i need right. to think about eating this tofu and like talking to my wife and not thinking about it for three seconds who picks the movie you know usually it's a collaborative okay deal sometimes it's looking and be like i just find something and sometimes ever, i have something really good yeah you ever get it like a one for me one for you type deal not really. We usually just agree. Like, okay. you know, that sounds because I'm not going to pick anything that because we have very different tastes and things. So we've got to sure. find middle of the ground. OK, if I just bully her and I choose a documentary on, you know, the Russian Empire from 1904. Yeah, uh, that's probably not going to make for a real romantic date night. So sure. usually we'll try to find something that maybe neither one of us is super in love with or passionate about, but we both can <laughs> stomach it. 
<laughs> Let's just watch a mediocre movie together. Somewhere between, you know, The Bachelorette and, you know, Russian oh. oligarchs. Okay. We got to find something in the middle. That's how we work it. There's a lot of stuff in the middle of that. Oh, I yeah. Those are pretty extreme. It's pretty easy. All right. Um, what's the last great movie you've seen? You know, a, a movie I saw last year that I was really impressed with. Well, there were several, but I really liked The Joker. I thought yeah. that was phenomenal. And then uh, Free Solo, Alex Honnold's movie on climbing. I thought yeah. that was incredible. And what that's done for rock climbing has been incredible. Yeah, it's crazy. My kids love Free Solo. So do mine. And that it, was like the magic of that movie is you didn't have to be into rock climbing yeah. to believe it was an incredible movie. Yeah. And then somehow still be interested in rock climbing, even though you didn't care about it at all. Yeah. Or no. Even yeah. if it's just watching rock climbing in the Olympics now or understanding what a climbing gym is or, you know, saying, hey, my nephew doesn't want to play soccer or baseball. He's into outdoors things. Maybe I should go put him on the climbing team at Climb So Well. Yeah. Like just it brought awareness to this sport that really at least for me, because I had no real awareness of rock climbing before free solo. And I watched that and now I rock climb and my kids yeah. on their climbing team and you know, we love it. And it was just like that movie opened up all of that to me. So I don't know how many other people are like that, but I would imagine it was a hugely impactful movie. Now, is that a movie that, uh, I think being on Disney plus to help, like, Probably. I think that was right at the beginning of Disney plus where it was like, what, what is this stuff? And yeah, you start, I think also I have a weird theory that star Wars helped it. Really? Like, well, the name Solo was in there, free Solo, and Disney's got this, you know, this all this Star Wars stuff. I think I don't think anyone watched it thinking it was Star Wars. I just think the name, it just kind of stuck out. It already had familiarity, you know, that that name, Free Solo. It was a great movie. Yeah, movie. it was cool. Again, my, my girls are eight and six, and they still reference it. Like and they, they go over there and it. they climb once in a while, don't they? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. They love it. So I'm saying like. This is the Climb So Will podcast. It's crazy. Yeah. No, but it's a great place. I thought that was a great movie. And yeah. one of the things I found really fascinating watching, it was just like the struggle that he had to get to where he was, you know, just kind of like the living alone in the van, you know, being that focused on what he did, not allowing things to distract him. You know, that story, I think really the Alex Honnold story was really fascinating. I think that's probably why so many people connected with it is you really felt like you got to know him yeah. through that theory. And then even the relationship with his girlfriend, who's now his wife, like, you know, she's dating someone that is potentially committing suicide and is in yeah. love with him. And like, how do you balance all of that? Like the way they told right. that story with the backdrop of just the immensity of what he was actually doing was pretty cool. It was a very, um, I mean, a lot of shows are coming out with these interesting looks on what um, real life looks like or people with, um, you know, people who may interact socially different. And it was a good peek into that as well. Um, the other thing I thought too was, you think of if I told you someone just like freehand climbed El Capitan and you had no reference for who this person was like, you definitely don't picture that dude. Right. No. Like you're, you're thinking it's a, it's a, a mu not muscle bound. I mean, they have to be thin, but like incredibly in shape, just dominant athlete, you know? And while he is looks like Jason Momoa. Yeah, right. Yeah. Not Alex Honnold. Right. Yeah. And so it's like, there's a little bit of that every man in there too. Like, man, he, this dude did that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it, doesn't it kind of give you some like encouragement? Like, so I'm saying, yeah. I mean, it was fascinating to just see kind yeah. of how you achieve something like that. And then the amount of preparation he put into it to do everything he could to make sure it was actually successful. Cause yeah. it wasn't, it wasn't a suicide mission. It was, it was in a goal to accomplish. that was highly dangerous, but it was prepared for, and it was thought through. Yeah. 
Yeah, it was, it was fascinating. I know there was another one that came out around the same time called The Dawn Wall. Dawn Wall. Yeah. Did that you watch really that one as well? It was I good. watched that one directly after Free Solo. Oh, di- like like a like double a feature? Later, okay. All right. Yeah. Now are those. I think I had to find on another app and then like had to, had to convince <laughs> right. myself to pay for it because right. it wasn't free or something like that. Is that a is that a date night movie or is that a watching alone movie? Um, that's more watching with my 16 year old probably. Okay. I mean, Stacy would watch it and, but she'd probably be, you know, checking her phone quite a bit. Yeah. If I want to actually engage her, it's probably not rock climbing. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I also think it depends on like when you watch it. Like if it's on at like two in the afternoon, it's probably easier to swallow than like, this is our activity for the evening. You know, yeah. we're going to watch this. This is what you're watching when you eat yellow curry. Yeah. <laughs> Congratulations on marrying me. Get into it. Appreciate <laughs> it. Hey man, let's, um, give me a, give me a, give me some socials. How can people find you, follow you? Uh, where are you? Plug everything you want to plug. It's easy. If you're uh, interested in a fan of Upshot Coffee, it's at We Are Upshot Coffee. If you are a fan of specifically the Break Shop location, which is St. Charles City and Ed Acres neighborhood, that is at We Are Upshot Coffee underscore Break Shop. And then for our other business, Beats and Bones, that is launching in Clayton uh, in the next month or so, that is at Beats Bones. And you can find us on Instagram, Facebook. We're not on Twitter, uh, but follow us in all those areas and we'll, we'll, we'll keep you up to date. Awesome, man. Any uh, events going on? Any specials? If not, I can just cut this out. We're, uh, we're Beats and Bones is at the Lake St. Louis Farmer's Market at the Meadows every Saturday from 8 to noon. So come see us there. And we're also at the Tower Grove Farmer's Market every Saturday from 8 to 1230. Awesome, man. Well, thank you so much for coming by. I could have talked to you for two more hours and uh, we will again. No one's going to do that to you. Too. I'm sorry, buddy. Yeah. It's good. We'll get it done. Thanks for having me, Ed.